Welcome back to People Who Teach, a podcast about the habits, beliefs, and ideas of real people who teach. My name is Brian Seppi, one of the hosts, alongside my talented colleague, Mr. Andrew Stella. We're excited to bring you today's episode because we get the chance and the opportunity to sit down with Marisa Adams, a local colleague here in Western New York. She takes us through her experiences as a literacy coach and as a reading recovery teacher and the training that goes into that and how that's shaping her path now as a remote teacher. She talks about the connection between school leadership and teachers and how valuable those relationships are. She also highlights the resilience of our profession and highlights the resilience of her own teaching in a year that has been challenging for all of us. In this episode, she also shares her experiences for handling teaching in a pandemic. Along with that, she talks about the opportunities that surprised her, like coaching parents in literacy and the expectations for reading and writing. We are so excited to bring you this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear Marisa's perspective and reach out to her. So let's dive right in. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy this episode. We are excited today because we are bringing in a guest that works closely with Andrew, and we bring in Marisa Adams today, and she is currently a first grade all virtual teacher. Uh, her experiences range anywhere from K through two, including grade three also as a, a classroom teacher. Her experiences stretch into instructional coaching and she is reading recovery trained. So we are excited to get this podcast started. I will let Andrew take over, introduce Marisa, and we will get rolling here. So uh, before we introduce Marisa, uh, the connections are through the roof of how we all three of us really know each other. And uh, I met Marisa, uh, you know, this actually the summer heavy because we're both remote teachers. We're both in the remote academy at our district. And it's just funny how you build a relationship with somebody and then all of a sudden you know so much about them because you've connected and that's a Buffalo thing too, of course. Um, and, you know, the connections are again through the roof, but Marisa, we're really happy to have you here. And um, we want to start out by just asking you, we're going to start right from the beginning. How did you get started in education? And then I feel like as we start to get through some of the questions, we're going to hear our names pop up and people we know in your journey as an educator. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So um, yeah, the connections in Western New York are, are crazy. So um, <laughs> I've been everywhere um, as far as education. Um, you know, I think we all go into teaching uh, for certain reasons, but we all have that common thread of like, we were the ones when we were little that kind of like orchestrated the play, right? So, you know, I'm the teacher, you're the student, I'm the mom, you're the, you know, so, uh, you know, that was always me. And that was, um, you know, my mom says from a young age, she knew that that was going to be um, where I was going to end up, that I came home from kindergarten uh, the first week and said, you know, my name is spelled M-A-R-I-S-A and it sounds like Marisa. It should have two E's in the middle. So she knew from there, I guess, I guess that was the foreshadowing of the literacy part of my career. Um, so yeah, I graduated in 2004 from Niagara University uh, with my bachelor's. I quickly got on as many sub lists as I could to get out there. Um, and oddly enough, I day-to-day -day subbed for about two days and then landed a long-term in Grand Island, which is, um, you know, close to Buffalo. Um, and even then just things just started, um, happening, you know, one long-term would end and, oh, we have another one. Would you like to stay? Yeah, sure. Oh, this person has to go out for surgery. Would you like to stay? So I ended up staying there the entire school year from October to June and, um, then did a little TA work there. Um, getting my bearings and learning from other teachers and learning from special educators and literacy uh, specialists. And I went on to work in um, another district in 
uh, Western New York. Um, and that's where I really thought that I would be for the rest of my career. I landed this job and it was everything I wanted. And I was getting that big girl paycheck now. It was my <laughs> first paycheck. I think my first teaching paycheck, I had like nine cents in my bank account. <laughs> and um, just to cash that, I was like, I'm a big girl. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm doing this. And about five years in, our district had a huge financial crisis and laid off about 60 educators that year. Um, and my current principal uh, was one of those. <laughs> so we kind of left together, went our separate ways. Um, I went to Buffalo and got a coaching opportunity. And so, you know, Andrew, I was telling you that, you know, everything that happens, it happens for a reason. It's so cheesy and corny, but it does. I mean, that horrible event in my life of being laid off, it's the worst feeling. And to meet uh, the principal of my new school at a teacher recruitment day. So here I was, I was five years in and going to a teacher recruitment day. And, mm -hmm. you know, she changed my path. She said, I, I really think you'd be a good coach. And I, I had never even thought of it. I spent some time there and then after a few years there, that's when I came to our current district where I'm teaching uh, with Andrew. So in our current district, I've taught K to K3 and then um, another opportunity, Reading Recovery opened up and it, it <laughs> I hate to keep saying that they happen for a reason, but when that job posted, it, it just happened to be they were looking for someone who was not just reading or literacy certified, but also special ed, which I am. And I remember I was on maternity leave and I called and I said, can I still interview? I'm on maternity leave. <laughs> yeah, come on in. This was uh, two months after I had my son. So um, I've been in that position since, um, I believe that was 2016, uh, but this year is different. So <laughs> uh, this year we just moved from, uh, any interventionist in our district, any coach in our district just went right back to the classroom so we could have small class sizes in person and offer our remote academy to students so that every student could go to school every day in elementary. So that's where I am. Yeah, and I know, Brian, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast and in some of the clubs clubhouses we've been in. So our district has done a fantastic job with uh, making sure we started a whole remote academy. There's about, uh, Marisa, what, 400 and... Oh, yeah, there, I think over 400, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we were really flexible. Um, and teachers, you know, teachers, instructional coaches, uh, you know, moved positions and did what we had to do to make it work. And um, it is working. And we have small class sizes where, you know, I talked to a lot of people all over the country and they don't have that. And we made it work and we have kids in school five days a week. Uh, and the kids who are doing remote are in remote and they're thriving too. And that kind of gets us to where we are now and describing our journey from, and, and, and I, I, we, we failed to mention this, today is March 13th, 2021. So this is a special podcast that it has been exactly one year since we shut down. So my next question is, I, Marisa, I want you to think about March 13th, 2020 mm -hmm. and talk about like, what were you thinking? Well, what happened in your position? Because my position might have been different from yours, might be different from Brian's. And uh, what what were you feeling? What happened? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I decided to re record with you guys today from my teaching closet because <laughs> I know all of us had to find places in our house to teach. And this was it for me. I have a large closet on my second floor and my husband set it up and here we are. Um, so I, I felt like I needed to be in an authentic location for this conversation. <laughs> but when you, when you, uh, when you ask me that question at for the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, our superintendent was beginning to send us emails about COVID as far back. I checked my email as February 6th. Wow. And he was on top of it. Mm -hmm. He was on top of it. He said, we're going to up our cleaning measures. Here's what I'm doing. I'm adding more cleaners. We have these new products. And I didn't 
really take it seriously. I'm not a person who watches the news nightly. I get most of my news from the internet, on Twitter. And um, I remember walking into school on March 11th. So you said March 13th, but I'm going back to March 11th because March 11th mm -hmm. was a turning point for me with understanding um, the possible magnitude of what was going to happen. We were, I was walking into school and I vividly remember this. There's a substitute who regularly works in our building and we're walking in and good morning, we're talking. And she said, I'm just so anxious. And I said, oh my gosh, are you okay? And she said, I'm just so anxious about COVID. And mm -hmm. I played it off like, oh, oh, I'm sure there's, you know, I, it'll be okay. I'm sure, I don't know. I think the media, <laughs> Looking back on that conversation, I'm like, how could I be so naive? How could I be so uninformed of what was happening? And so um, later that day when I got home, they had canceled March Madness. Mm. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is huge. They canceled. They're canceling sports. Right. They're canceling mm -hmm. huge sporting events. Um, they're going to cancel school. What are we going to do? And so I know that the following morning, we all got emails. I don't know if you remember this email. It was fill book baggies full of books. Let kids fill their book baggies as far as they can. Um, get all their math workbooks. Get them all ready. Start sending things home today and uh, get the three through five kids. their one-to-ones and make sure they have chargers and teach them how to get on Schoology and teach them how to access their Gmail. And we were rushing to mm -hmm. make sure that they were somewhat pre prepared. Um, and the 13th, I'm, oddly enough, the 13th, I was supposed to have, now, if you're not a reading recovery teacher, you might not know, but I was supposed to have a behind the glass, which mm -hmm. is when you teach in front of your colleagues. So mm -hmm. all of the reading re recovery teachers from the district were coming to my school to watch me teach my new reading recovery student. I only had one. And I remember one of our administrators coming over and getting my tech set up. This was on March 13th, wow. March 13th. And by 10 AM, I got the email that that was, that was canceled. And I knew that things were moving because all of our coaches were over at district in a huge meeting. Yeah. And uh, I actually have a video of a student because I was videoing a student uh, for a case study that I wanted to present at uh, the national reading recovery conference that, was all virtual this year. So it's on the back burner, but, um, and the clock in the background says like 1226. And I know that at 1230, our literacy coach walked into our office and said, I need you all send all these kids back. I need you all. And um, I don't know what happened at your building, but it was mm -hmm. me and every adult we could find filling packets, just yeah. sight words and math and anything to get them through the next two weeks so that we could figure out what was going to happen. And so mm -hmm. that was March 13th, which was just craziness. <laughs> it's, such, it's such an interesting story to hear from your perspective because yeah, obviously, you know, we all have our own experience on that day, but just to hear that, you know, like I know how important that day is just, just as somebody who has observed uh, reading recovery, you know, that idea that you're like, that's how you learn in reading recovery. Like your colleagues mm -hmm. come over, it's behind the glass, you, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, like that whole experience just to go normal that day to have that on your radar, your, your night before was thinking about that child, you know, right. was thinking oh. about, Right. So, so all, yeah. all is normal and, and good in, in, in your world. And then, like you said, that, that just that the way you told that story about your clock at like 1226 and just sort of knowing that something was coming um, or even just the story before that walking in with the sub and, and, and starting to feel this anticipation that, mm -hmm. because I, I won't go into my whole story, but I, I kind of felt that building, like you, like you, you kind of described this building action, right? This rising action of the day. And it's just like a teacher to describe it as rising action, um, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I know what you mean by that because, you know, the same kind of things, the same events, like you said, were, were happening in our area in particular. And we too, uh, much like you guys, uh, our superintendent, our ASIs, um, our leadership, um, honestly, without them, I don't know what our, our educational community would have done. Um, they were incredibly 
knowledgeable, supportive, understanding, um, led the way, didn't flinch. Um, it was really impressive. And, and so, yeah, that whole, that whole day, just like you said, that, that you felt that something was, was not right and off. And then you, now you're packing backpacks at, you know, two o'clock and, and you're trying to make sure that, that kids are, what are we going to do? Right. That, that, that sort of was the, the way that we all left that day was like, now what, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you make a good point about leadership. And I say this all the time when I talk about our administration, you know, this pandemic really, uh, unearthed like who was really good at managing their district and then who were the leaders Mm -hmm. like who were the ones when everything fell apart and i will say i will praise our district up and down that Mm -hmm. how they handled it and continue and the transparency and the meetings the zooms the parent zooms the teacher zooms the i mean it's unbelievable and it's not the same. It's not the case everywhere. No, for sure. Definitely. You're right. You're mm-hmm. right. And I was, um, I, I just wrote, you know, I was writing an article and I was reflecting and taking some time to reflect on that day. And then actually that summer too, because that summer was really stressful, right? It, it was, um, we didn't know what we were going to do. You know, I thought I was going to be in the classroom until, Man, like mid-August, was it? I don't it know. Was two, it was about two weeks before I wrote it down. Yeah, I, I was fully mm-hmm. expecting. I knew I was going to have a classroom, but I was fully expecting to be in person. And then what happened in our district was there was a huge rise in parents who wanted the virtual option, which made mm-hmm. the virtual our remote academy the largest elementary school in the district at that point. And so we all jumped ship. And, and that's that, when I that, met you. <laughs> and that's when I, and I was just going to say, and that's when I met you because we had to kind of come together, right. And, um, you know, put our heads together and really start being creative and thinking outside of the box. I remember, I remember the first day that I knew I was going to be remote and, you know, we contacted each other. We really didn't know each other that well, like yeah. a little bit, you know, I was posting on TikTok, you know, constantly. And, you know, I, uh, I remember like touching base with you and I, we were like, I think we were messaging on like Twitter and I was like, you could just text me and we could yeah. just text each other, you know? And then next thing you know, we're collaborating and our relationship built real fast because we were in this unknown territory together, you know, and um, it, it, there was a lot of sharing of resources or, or ideas and, and how are we going to do morning meetings and how are we going to do this all? So there was a lot of collaboration and, you know, even looking back on this, number one, I value you and you're an amazing educator an amazing colleague and um, super easy to work with. And the really cool part was this experience for me and we're only a year in, but so far this school year, you know, I think we're learning a lot of things that as educators, we would never learn if we were in a classroom. How do you feel? How do you feel about like remote and how remote has gone so far this year? And what are your takeaways? Like, what are some takeaways and what do you think? Yeah, it's crazy. You and I, well, I also respect you as a colleague and so thankful that our paths crossed, um, you know, because we're at different buildings. We, our paths may have never crossed. At, yeah. You never know. Um, yeah. But the other linking, you know, the other link for you and I was our special student that was my student that is now your mm-hmm. student. Yeah. So that Good is, uh, that's our buddy. I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's just a unique perspective, too. And I love having kids. So I have I teach in one out of four of the elementary schools in the district, and I have no kids from my elementary school. I have kids from every other elementary school. So it's really, really great getting to see these other kids and collaborate with other teachers. And, you know, um, I have a lot of English language learners in my classroom and Marisa does, too. And we're working with ENL teachers from other schools in the district. So we're just, and it's, it, I think it's making our district stronger and our community stronger. 
Yeah. And, you know, people ask me how it's going all the time. When I say, even I was getting my hair done today, she's like, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's almost like they're mourning for us. Yeah. I said, it's actually going really well. Yeah. It's yeah. going really well because I made it about relationships in the beginning. You and I had those conversations, Andrew, where like, we have to have fun. First 20 days, like first 20 days of school, we are going to have fun, learn how to use our tech, tool, tech tools. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make them want to come back every day because if we can't get them to love it and come back and love us and know that we love them, then nothing can happen this year. And it was really about connecting with those families, understanding what the dynamic of each individual house, you know, learning as we go. I think um, I just had a parent stay on Zoom on Thursday. And he popped on and he said, hey, do you have a minute? I said, sure. And I'm going, oh, gosh, what happened in a breakout room? I'm so nervous. <laughs> and he said, I just have to tell you that this is like the best education my daughter's ever received. Wow. I, said, I, I almost had to turn off my camera because I was so emotional about it. And I said, you know, it's a partnership. It's not just me. It's you getting her on in the morning. It's you saying, hey, Mrs. Adams doesn't want me to help you that much. I'm going to point this out for you. And it's coaching those parents too of, I love when a parent asks me, how much help should I be giving them? And so here I am coaching parents. It's so interesting. Um, but That's such an interesting perspective. I just had that same conversation with a colleague on Friday uh, in our coaching session. And she did bring up that she had to have a parent-teacher conference. It was kindergarten and it's writing. And mm -hmm. uh, she did have to have a conference with a parent and just say like, look, um, it's okay to be involved uh, when it comes to this type of writing right now. It's important that we try to operate and see what your child is bringing. And, um, mm -hmm. and obviously you, you both know that, but I thought that it was such an interesting perspective because I don't know that if we were in a traditional classroom setting, uh, like those, those are sort of the gems of virtual teaching right now. Like you said, that idea of, co I love your perspective. Like I have time to coach parents and I'm actually going to take that back to my colleague and just let her know that like, yeah, what does coaching a parent look like right now? You know, and just like, how much do you want to be involved? What are you noticing? If there are struggles, here are some things, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's the partnership. It's, it's possibly the coaching into it. Um, and all for the for the child's benefit. So I think that's just such a a nice nice perspective. And I love your your line about those first twenty days and making them want to come back. Um, mm -hmm. Love 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 that line because that was exactly. I mean, we 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 should carry that into our our campus settings also, right? <laughs> um, that that has to be the goal. But I love that as sort of like your that feels like that is your line and, and, and part of what you're bringing to this conversation. So thank you so much for saying that. That was great. Yeah, no problem. Good. I also, I also talk about like things like you were talking about when you were talking to somebody like things are okay. Like, and I think that scares people sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, like there's some advantages that I've found in remote teaching that I wish I could do in the classroom. How often can you be in a text and be able to um, do some orthographic mapping on annotate in the book on the screen? You know, you can't do that in in person. And um, I think sometimes it's it's all about my, our mindset, right? How we think, how and then how we think translates over to our kids and our students. And if we have that positive attitude. Um, kids are capable of anything, anywhere, anytime. And that's been apparent to me during this, this COVID experience. So, so it's insane. So we are here in the learning portion of our lesson plan or our conversation. Andrew and I like to structure our conversations as lesson plans. So we came in with the hook. We're still in the learning zone here and then we'll get on to the exit ticket. Um, but one of the questions, I'm just going to tweak one of the questions that we had written out for you because I think uh, more people need to at least hear this perspective. Um, when I worked with my colleague, Melissa Johnson, we, they were being reading recovery trained. Her and Rob were being reading recovery trained. And I happened to sit in on all of the trainings 
sort of in earshot, right? So I just like <laughs> absorbing this training as a literacy coach at the time. And honestly, if I had had the time, it would have been something that I would have pursued too. Uh, I feel very strongly about the fact that reading recovery teachers are really like the backbone of like knowledge in our, in our schools. And I just want to hear how has that background in reading recovery training? Like one of the things I have to say is like, if, if all of our early, early career educators were somehow gifted this reading recovery training, right? If I could, if I can take them, I, I work with uh, mm -hmm. Kenesha students right now, early career teachers. If I can give them one gift, I'd say, here, take reading recovery training. Now I feel like you're ready for, for teaching in a classroom. Um, I, I like, what are your thoughts on that? How has that served you? How has that training served you? What are you experiencing now when it comes to, because it sounds like you're going to be in this role maybe for this year, and then it's, you're going to go back to reading recovery training or reading recovery in general, possibly. Um, but yeah, and it, it could go otherwise. I, I get that too. But I, I wonder how has that set you up for success hitting the ground running when it comes to your, your current situation, uh, virtual teaching? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Every primary teacher, every coach, every get them reading recovery trained. It's, it's, uh, it's invaluable. I mean, it changed my entire approach to teaching reading. If I could go back to all those times I taught kindergarten and all those times I taught first grade, all the things I would change. And, you know, the, the, the thing that reading recovery teaches you is you're not teaching a kid to write. You're not teaching a kid to read. You're teaching this self-extending system, your prompts, your teaching moves. Every second that you interact with that child, you are mapping their brain together. You are connecting those neurons and you're responsible for it. And it's in the moment and it's stressful <laughs> and it's day to day. There's no planning. There's no long range plan when you're teaching a kid how to read and write. You may have some goals that you want them to reach, but there's no you do this this day and then the next day and then the next day. It's minute by minute. And so creating that self-extending system really um, taught me that everything we say to kids while they are reading and writing is what we want their brain to say to them when we aren't there. Hmm. So every prompt, every prompt can't be a conversation. It needs to be short and sweet and to the point and direct and it needs to be said over and over and over and over i when i was coaching that parent the other day too about reading you know what do i do when she gets stuck on a word and you say and she asks me for the word you say you try it and you see what happens mm -hmm. right the most powerful prompt i have is you try it or they read that page and it doesn't look anything like what's on that page, right? <laughs> and you say, how about you try that again? Or quickly, that's actually too many words. Try that again. It's that direct, just very quick prompting um, and just note-taking. I mean, my note-taking on kids, now that I'm reading Recovery Trained, is pages and pages and pages and pages. And um, just learning how and I know that there are classes in colleges now they're focusing on analyzing running records, but being able to take a running record and analyze it, I mean, did you know how to do that when you left your undergraduate program? Mm -hmm. I, I don't you remember know, it. Yeah, I don't remember I, it. I don't remember it well. I mean, I know we did them, but it was it was not with the intensity that I think we, we ought to right. be in higher ed. Yeah, I think we have a yeah. deep responsibility there in higher ed for sure. And not just analyzing the mistakes that they're making, but analyzing how did they go back and self-correct and, oh, wow, what does that tell me about him now? And how did that child's reading sound that day? And what are the, what are the little pieces that are missing? And so mm -hmm. I feel like leaving my undergraduate program, I was teaching pieces, 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 pieces. And I even think being a literacy or having a literacy master, I was like, teach sight words, teach sounds teach this, teach this. And it was piece, piece, piece. It was part to whole, where I think reading recovery is whole to parts. Like mm -hmm. here is this thing and let's get all of these pieces in. 
Um, and so, and then also finding the balance. Cause I know there's a lot out there. I actually experienced it today on Twitter <laughs> uh, where I posted something about a running record and uh, you know, a lot of replies ensued about, you know, is even taking a running record, you know, we shouldn't be doing this and reading recovery doesn't work for kids. And so I've had to fight that battle too, as a reading recovery teacher, because once you get that little, you know, I'm a reading recovery teacher, sometimes you become a target um, for people that don't think it helps kids. And I would just say too, as a reading recovery teacher, uh, not every intervention does help help every kid because mm -hmm. every kid is different just like mm -hmm. one set curriculum isn't going to reach every kid in your class you have to find what works for your kid and Andrew and I you and I have had these conversations about science of reading and orthographic mapping and explicit phonics instruction and reading recovery is not against explicit phonics instruction mm -hmm. uh, but it and it orchestrates that into all of our lessons so I welcome anyone always if they have you know uh, doubts about our program like we're trained to ha have people come in and watch us, yeah. you know? And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I also learned being the reading recovery teacher that the power of having a parent watch a lesson, I have parents come in and watch multiple lessons, mm -hmm. one in the beginning, one in the middle, one in the end, um, to just see their child grow. So, you know, I mean, to say it's changed the, the complete way that I teach reading and writing, yeah. It has. And do I feel like, that? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds like, you know, I mean, okay. Uh, the science of reading, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many debates out there. And, and to be honest with you, um, my whole position on all of these debates is like, I'm not, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to fight the science of reading. I'm not going to fight. No. <laughs> you know, I know people are like, well, I teach Lucy. I don't even know what that means. Um, you, you know, I was like, are, are you talking about reading and writing curriculum from teachers college reading writing project? I mean that, you know, there are so many things out there that people want to, like you said, sort of rail against a little bit, but what mm -hmm. you're describing when it comes to your training is being responsive to the kid that you're with bridging the gap with parent communication in a way where they actually get to see real-time results and progress over time. Mm -hmm. And then the most important thing is not only are you learning everything when it comes to the teaching moves, but it is making you more explicit in your instruction. It is making you more responsive. But at the heart of what you're describing is you've become more curious, you've become more observant of behaviors. And I think that's the thing that we all need. Like you described early on about the running record. You know, sometimes I encourage colleagues, I'm like, I know we want to be in our paper, but we also got to check the eyes. Where are the eyes going on the page? Like, I want to know that information. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see what they're queuing in on. And I just, I just feel like that comes, I'm grateful that it, that it is a part of me in, in some ways, but, um, if I had one thing to give to early career teachers, it would be that sort of mindset, like you're describing mm -hmm. the, the knowledge base of teaching reading that way, one, but then two, the being responsive, being open, being observant, and really working on that lean prompting, which I feel is so, so critical. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And also, like you were saying, not one, one program fits every kid, not one program fits every teacher. And it's our job to, explore these different curriculums, explore these different things and, you know, find different things that are going to work for the kids that are in front of us that year, because we have a very short time with them. And sometimes, you know, if you're reading recovery or you're a special education teacher, you might have long periods of time with this student, but we have to be flexible and try different things with kids. And we have to change our mindset. And especially during this time, during COVID, it's more crucial than ever to be open to different things and be willing to learn and try new things. So it's so true, uh, Andrew. And, and to your point, just tying that all together with what Marisa said at the outset, which is above all that training or, or yeah, above all of that training is the mindset of really cultivating those relationships with students and really making sure mm -hmm. that we're secured there first, because then all of that lean prompting, all of that pushing kids and really building up the rigor in the room, like all of that can happen once kids have that buy-in. And I think, you know, you illustrated that so beautifully, Marisa, at the outset and Andrew, I know you and I talk about this a lot too, with, 
just making sure that kids are all in on that process, which, which is a big, big deal. So, yeah. All right, Andrew, off to you, my friend. All right. So, yeah, we've been talking a lot about remote and I think we're both in the same situation. We do buddies. So we do buddies, Brian, this is awesome. We get our kids together every Wednesday. We get first grade and third graders. We had them in bamboozle breakout rooms. You know what bamboozle is? Yeah. Love that. That's great. Oh, it's great. And the third graders share their screens and they have jobs and they run the room. And it's, I mean, we're, we're giving these kids these life skills, these responsibilities, and we're doing all this amazing stuff. And um, it, it's really hard to talk about the flip side of it, but I want to know, like, what is the hardest part for you of remote teaching? Because, um, and not in like a negative way or anything like that, but there is stressors. It does get stressful sometimes and there is hard parts of it. And I want to know like what, what is challenging for you with remote teaching? Yeah. Um, by the way, buddy time is the best time of the week. <laughs> of course. And my kids are ready to share their screen. By the way, they told me, mm. they said, um, oh. do you think we could be the screen sharers? Oh. Oh, I love it. So we're going to give them that leadership opportunity this week. Uh, (laughs) Third graders will be so bummed. (laughs) They'll love it. Um, I think uh, with my reading recovery background and just, I give a lot of nonverbal prompts throughout the day when I'm working with kids. And you cannot give nonverbal prompts in remote unless you're just pressing the mute button, right? Mm. (laughs) So um, if I'm reading with a child or I'm writing with a child, on Zoom, everything has to be verbal. So if I'm really trying to get a kid while they're writing to go back and reread, to think about what word comes next, I have to always say, go back and reread. If they were in front of me, I would tap at the first word on the sentence. And so that mm-hmm. just seems so minuscule, but I miss that so much being able to just tap a kid on the shoulder instead of muting his microphone and saying, please don't interrupt me again. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm not that teacher that calls kids out ever. Um, but I feel like in remote, I don't know if you experienced this too, Andrew, there are those kids that are maybe in the chat while you're trying to teach and you have to say, yeah, you know, Bryson, please get out of the chat and pay attention. When in the classroom, I would just do a quick little, you know, the look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the oh. look that we all have. But if they're not looking at the screen, you can't do the look. You can't yeah. do the look in virtual, the teacher look we all have. So that's very tricky. Um, also, emotional support is very tricky. Not being able to touch or hug a child is the worst thing to ever happen to a teacher and a student. I had a student remove, or I had a student return to in-person, one of my reading recovery students from last year, um, just last week. And she saw me and ran up to me. (laughs) I was like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) And, um, you know, thankfully beforehand, I, I, I said, we can do this hug. And I know you guys can't see me because I'm on the podcast, but I'm hugging myself, you know, that's a, um, but the emotional support of not being able to be there and they're upset, but their parents are there, but their parents are somewhere else. And just giving that emotional support to them. They're just having a really rough day. Um, There are times where I've had a whole class together and I really need to just take this student into a breakout room and talk to them, but I have no one there to manage the rest. So it's, mm-hmm. I have to make that decision in that moment where if it was in the classroom, I would just pull that student aside. Yeah. So tricky with remote. Um, wow. And then the other tricky things are just, you know, siblings, dogs, TVs, toys. I mean, mm-hmm. at my, I mean, the siblings are just like a part of our classroom at this point. Right. They're yeah. climbing all over. They're, uh, <laughs> they're just, hi, Mrs. Adams. You know, yeah. they just. You know, but and and you know, in some of our families, you know, Andrew and I share students from the same family, so I can hear Andrew teaching all day. He can hear me teaching all day because they're in the same room. Um, So that's tricky too. You know, Um, that's so true. I I walk down the hallway just to see kids, 
and I'm giving the fist, the the elbow bumps as I'm walking down. Kids are, you know, it, it and it's like that thing of you know the kid's gonna run up and hug you, and I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, but please do it. Okay, come yeah. on, let's go. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and, and as a teacher, I it is hard. It is hard. I think it's hard for the kids. I think it's really hard for the teachers too. We just, you know, and, and even like in in writing, like when that camera goes off or they're doing a seesaw activity, and like you know those kids that you would kind of like walk over towards to kind of raise their level of concern, right? And just so they would kind of get moving a little bit more. And you can't really do that. And I guess I, I, I always think about this in the back of my mind, but now that you've said it, it makes such sense. It's honestly the first time that I'm hearing it. And it makes me empathize with my uh, my colleagues who are remote right now in such a way because we we've talked about writing being different and harder mm-hmm. in a virtual setting just writing Absolutely. of all the subjects for whatever reason well no we know the reasons writing is challenging and but but what you brought up is the piece that I think I need to bring back to that group and just say I you know I feel you on this. I know that the the nonverbal cues that we are all so accustomed to using because they work, right? Because they work. Like you said, that tap and that tap isn't me verbalizing the prompt. It's just getting, the, then they know automatically that they should check that thing or they should start there or mm, check it again. Um, even with the nonverbal, it just feels like, I'm so glad you said that because I think this is going to be such a powerful moment for so many who are in this in this boat listening to this podcast where they're like, yes, I, that's exactly, like Andrew just did. He's like, that's yep. exactly the challenge. Um, and you articulated that so well and, and just, it makes so much sense because that is a little bit of the missing ingredient that is the embodiment of who you are as an educator and, and that feels um, restrained, right? Like, Absolutely. Well, I'll I'll also say too, and here's the flip side on that side too. So we're always giving these verbal cues, right? We we constantly have to verbal verbally say things to kids, and uh, you know we like it's all verbal. So looking back on March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Um, I remember having kids in my class being like, "Oh, TikTok, you know, all this stuff." I could. I can't imagine that I'm doing a podcast right now, number one, that I'm on social media platforms using my voice. You know, I always knew it was something I wanted to do, but if anything came out of this past year, it's that I'm verbally saying all these things. Like I was just talking to Brian right before this podcast, like I haven't been writing. I haven't been writing. I haven't been doing that because I've been using my voice so much. And I think I'm using my voice all day in the classroom and I'm using all this tech and things have just kind of shifted and um, I, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. You can look at the positives and the negatives at everything, but um, it's definitely different. Like, wh- what do you think, Marisa, like, what do you think education is going to be like moving forward from here? Like, and I know that's a really hard question, but like maybe in the next year, the next two years, the next five years, the next 10 years, like, with all the technology that we have now, with all these, we made it work, right? We made it work mm-hmm. after about a week. We figured out that we could do Zoom and we were going to get kids online and we were going to get them on Seesaw and, and Google Classroom and everything was going to be fine, right? Mm-hmm. So how is this going to impact education moving forward? Because I can't, I can't process it yet. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> did you have any kind of idea? <laughs> what next year looks like um, yeah. or just even going forward. I, I, I think even about, going forward. yeah. Um, I think we have kids who prefer virtual school and yeah. that thrive kids that intro, like introverted kids who would not talk at school are blowing us away on zoom. Mm-hmm. I have a student who, uh, you know, behavior intervention plan in kindergarten. We're talking about, you know, SST. We're talking about him every six weeks. We're intervening. He's flourishing in my class because 
He gets to be on Zoom for a little while, then he goes and gets to take a break. He can mm -hmm. eat while I'm teaching. He mm -hmm. can move his body and you know make sounds and make noise and mm -hmm. hold his little squeezy animal and you know get all his sensory stuff out and he's muted mm -hmm. and he's listening so 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 often we think that those kids that are moving and shaking and you know that they're not listening but they're listening they really are and so mm -hmm. i really feel like virtual will always be an option i don't know what that looks like in our district but i feel like across the country Virtual was already an option in other states. Mm -hmm. You know, New York didn't really have that option, but you know, Florida, like virtual school was is an option uh, for parents. So I do think virtual school will stay. I just don't know what that looks like for districts. <laughs> um, but I was thinking, you know, when you this question, even ten years ago. Um, my administrator, Bob, who you know, we worked together 10 years ago. And I remember a project that we did and he was working on it for his master's project and he was doing his master's thesis all on fluency. And we thought we were so cool because we he got a grant for iPod minis. Remember the ones that were all different colors? Mm -hmm. Or I don't think they were called. I don't uh, the, the, iPod, the iPod touch? It was no, it was before the touch. Before <laughs> We're talking way back there. So it, we thought it was, it, it was when we had. Remember when we had Tyler on, and Tyler was talking about how he was doing. It had, how, it had all that the button. It had the button. Click, 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 click. Yeah. Right, and it had yeah. a little screen. But we used those. We we thought we were high tech. Like we were cutting edge using those for like fluency buddies. And when I think about that, was only 10, 11 years ago, and now look what we're doing. Right. I I can't I can't even imagine what education will look like in ten years, tech wise. Yeah, that's that's so important to you know. I, I think there's a lot of speculation, and it depends on what groups of people you're following. And I know there are people trying to make significant change and really make a splash into education. And you're right. I think I'm comfortable saying I'm not sure, but I'm willing to explore. And, you know, like you've said, like you've adapted, like your 10 years ago self is so different. Um, you know, like you said, like using the devices that you and, and, and Robert had, you know, you, you look at you now, right? Like uh, oh, yeah. look at how far that we've come. So I think you're right. There's, there's another monumental shift coming in the next 10 years. And I love your perspective on virtual still going to be an option. And really should be on the table for for some, like you said, that are thriving. And I know there, I know there's the flip side of that too. And I want to be sensitive to absolutely our audience and and people that are in that boat too, because there are some kids that are really out there who who need desperately to be in the care of classrooms like yours, right? And and where they can step into that space, um, know that they can feel that that welcoming space uh, in a live environment too. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I don't really have much to say other than I'm willing to just sort of continue to be observant, be in the conversation and participate where necessary. And, um, and like you said, like continue to evolve and innovate because there is no, I, I tell it to the early career teachers that I serve now too. It's like, there is no spot where you just like arrive and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, today is the day where I am a master teacher. It, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, there is no, there's no place to get to, right? It's just continuing to evolve and, and, and like you said, grow. So love that perspective. Yeah. And I think that there's a different, I like what you just said about the virtual component. There's a difference between uh, families and students who are given an option, but virtual right now. And it's a little different. We, Andrew and I have a different perspective because, you know, every child that's in our class, that's what their family chose for them. Right. Um, and so there's a, there's a stark difference between, you know, uh, districts that have been virtual since March 13th, 2020, without even giving an option of in-person. Yeah. yeah. And the one perspective, a, the one perspective that I think I've got to dig a little bit deeper on is the, the caregiver parent perspective of those who started virtual and now decided to enter back into the classroom. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to hear more from them. If you're listening to this and you feel that you are in that category, um, 
or have experienced that, I would love to hear that perspective too, because I think that's an interesting one um, just to see what they noticed and you know, what, what, because I don't know, I don't know that story. And I feel like I want to know that story a little bit more. I'm curious about that for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We ready for the lightning round? All right. Now here's the thing with the lightning round. Now we, we got to start with lightning round. We got to start calling it the exit ticket because it's the exit okay. ticket. It's the uh, only way you get off the podcast. Well, we, we for, I feel like we forgot it last time. This is like the, it's the most important part. We're checking for understanding. Yeah. It, it, but you know, the, and we had fun coming up with these questions and I think it's, oh, yeah. it's just, it's powerful. So, okay. Okay. I'm going to start, I'll start us off today. How about that, Andrew? Is that cool? Yeah, you go to you go for All it. Right. Marisa, this is a lightning round. People ask us lightning round, exit ticket round. People ask us often, how much time do I have to think? Does this mean that my answer has to be short? Does it mean okay. that you? Um, we want the first thing that comes to you, honestly. And um, you know, if you if it goes a little longer than you know a minute or so, we're cool with that too. So here we go. All okay. right, exit ticket, lightning round. What is your go-to snack you couldn't live without as a teacher? I'm more of a coffee person. Okay, so can't live <laughs> without the to coffee. coffee. I got to have coffee. Okay. No, all all now, the time at all points. Go ahead. I'm going to ask a follow-up question to that because I, okay. I'm in one of these categories and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Are okay. you like a get your coffee done before you teach or are you like a nurse your coffee all the way through like your first couple classes? Um, I'm nursing a cup of coffee. Like Andrew said, we do a lot of talking. So it's like, I got to get yeah. that in. What I really miss, um, pre COVID is like when your coworker, maybe you had like a in-person PD and they say, I'm going to stop and get coffee. Can I get you one? Don't you mm -hmm. miss that? Like the text <laughs> on the way in, right? Yeah. I'm Which in the like Tim Hortons line. It's like, I miss that. Cause you know, as reading recovery teachers, we would have our, like um, PD outside and yeah. um, I'm getting the coffee. You know, we just don't have that. So I can't uh, wait for somebody to text me and say, we're going to a live PD. Would you like a cup of coffee? That will make my whole life. You, uh -huh. yeah, you have to share that. That is such a great perspective. You have to like, like tweet that one out. As I can't like, wait. You miss this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, great. Good point. I feel okay. like there's got to be a follow up. How do you take your coffee? Uh, I can real. I I'm versatile. I usually do just a little bit of cream, but mm -hmm. that's it. I can do black. See, there's um, a commitment to the coffee. I like that. No matter what then, condition, it's not like she's yeah. going to turn it down. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes I want a sweet coffee and I get like a caramel macchiato or something. Br Brian, what about you? I feel like this is an interesting topic where okay, we all you have to know this about people that you're close with. How do they do. take their coffee? Yes. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I, for a while there, I was uh, getting my coffee at Starbucks. I love dark, dark roast coffee. And so I, have now spoiled myself each week. I have no hesitation in buying the uh, Starbucks French roast, dark roast, and um, I brew it here in my house and I take it black and I nurse it until about 11. So I am a dark roast black. Done. Nice. That's it. Always black. I yeah. recently discovered, and I don't know if this is a thing, it's just... Um, Cafe Bustello. Have you ever had that coffee? No, you're supposed to mix those two, right? Like with the, uh, some people take it like uh, one scoop of that. Plus I haven't I, done that. I literally seen. can't drink any other coffee now. Oh. It's, it's probably not a good thing, but I, you know, they have it at Aldi. So now so you're brand committed? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm brand specific now when it yeah. comes to coffee. It's very weird. Wow. <laughs> it's very He's, weird. These exit tickets, we really do need to stop calling it a lightning round because we always get lost in the conversation when we <laughs> do okay. it. We're like, what? What? I know. But it, like you said, you have to know what kind yes. of coffee. You have to know your colleague's drink. coffee order so that you can bring them the coffee. Here, Yeah. Here's the deal. Like, I mean, we're speaking to Marisa's colleagues on yeah. campus right now. If you're listening to this, you should be <laughs> listening to it. Right. Number one. Number yeah. two, if you're not showing up with the exact right coffee i mean that's a big deal so like no need to text her now you know yeah just bring it now you know <laughs> all right here's the here's the next one um 
three items in your workstation. Now this is going to be hard because you're a remote teacher and I just, I just Amazon ordered like three brand new ones, you know, right before we got on this podcast. So I'll, I'll send them to you. I'll show you what I got, but um, three items in your workstation that you must have period done. This year remote, definitely uh, my gooseneck that holds my iPad for my doc cam. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. hands down primary. You have to do shared writing, interactive writing, put a book under it. Um, any situation, I have it right next to me, my vowel charts, which are every student of mine has their little vowel packet. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The key to reading and writing success is knowing those vowels. <laughs> so short vowels, long vowels, and all of them, you know, we didn't even get into instruction conversations, but um, that's something I can't do without now. Um, that's another change in my instruction lately that um, has been big. And then my timer. So my little, um, it's a timer that moves and shows how much time you have left in a color. Hmm. Um, because I get very distracted. So I put this right next to my um, teaching station. So right next to my, it makes that beep when the time is that. out. So it's a good one. I, lo I love that you have it with you too. I do. <laughs> That's great. It that was is, in my bag. That is fantastic. I love that. That is so good. So good. Okay. Next question um, in the exit ticket round here. What is one thing you need to be doing more of? Unplugging. Hmm. I'm plugged in all the yeah. time. Yeah. All the time plugged in. So it's my job to be plugged in. And then when I get home, it's my job to go over student work while I'm plugged in. And then I find that when I want to just relax, I go to TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you know, so just unplugging, mm -hmm. I think, is what I need to do. Yeah, that's so unplugging important. more. <laughs> are you doing uh, are you doing like blue light blockers and everything like that, too? That, that, yes. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to to a degree, right? Some at some you portion of your day, to. yeah, put them on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to and take a break. Like even on my my breaks, I try and close the close the computer, take a yeah. walk around the school, that kind of right. thing. The other thing, by the way, just, just so you both know, and I'll put this in here as a plug for anybody is, um, you know, the calm app was, was free for educators in the beginning of the year. It is now uh, removed, I believe, but you can get headspace for free uh, educators too. So if you just go to headspace.com backslash educators, you can sign up for headspace too, which is a nice little, um, thing to have, like you said, to unplug, because sometimes I feel like I need that, like, yeah. you know, six minute meditation, guided meditation of some other person, even though I'm doing it poorly. Um, you know, I need that. I need that because like you said, it just takes me away from the, the wanting to be sort of mindless and scrolling or finding other content. Like, but mm -hmm. you need a little bit of both. I, I understand that that is, a I do enjoy headspace. Rainy day you antiques. Oh, yeah. That's, so that's my yeah. rainy day antiques is my fall asleep. Yeah. Headspace. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, I think we'll just have to repeat that question just one more time. Mr. Stella, my, you're on mute. <laughs> my, my, my mic is muted. This is this is what we do. <laughs> if you think, if you think that you would not make this mistake, like that is the mistake I will make over and over and over again. My mic will be muted. Number one, number one. See, I, I like. I jumped in frantically to try and save it too. I was like, "No, no, no, we're gonna get it. We'll get everything he says." And I like tried to push it. It, it didn't work. So, one more time. One artifact you still wish you had from your early teaching days, and I still. This is a good question because I don't. That one puzzles me. It really does. I love that question. Oh, I know exactly what I need because I thought. Young me thought 16 years ago that I would remember every face and every name mm -hmm. of every class I ever had. And so I didn't take the time to take the class picture and put their names on the back. And I feel like I was just talking to a friend the other day and, and, and saying, I feel like I forget their faces. I don't mm -hmm. know what my, you know, that year I taught second grade. I remember, you know, you remember those kids that are unforgettable, you know, but the rest of the class, like, I wish I just had, there's one, 
there's a teacher in our building that has the pictures of every class, you know, and I'm sure he's got the names written on the back. So that's like the one thing that I wish I had from every class that I ever taught. So I have every picture. Okay. But I don't have the names written on the back. So I'm going to do that Monday. Do that Monday. And the other thing, I don't have my class from last year. Because they, you didn't get to take a picture. So you need all those kids to send you a selfie and create one. I know. Yeah, that's simple. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make it you, happen. How would you find all of them? Where, where are they, They're all in that building or are some of them are possibly remote? So, well, some of them move schools too. Oh, I know that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a, um, a search. We'll get it done. While while we're here though with that that question, how have you done it this year, uh, being virtual with your your virtual stuff, both of you? Well, Miss Adams actually prompted my my class picture that I have because oh, she yeah. took pictures on seesaw. I had them send them on seesaw. Then I used what was it like Unsplash or something or yeah. something to remove the background. Remove BG. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and then and the, put and them then, all in a little like oh, scene so it like looks like they're together yeah 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 that's great. that's definitely the craziest part of remote too when you think about these kids have never seen each other in person i know it's and crazy. when you drop something off at their house you're like oh you're taller than i thought you were or you're mm. shorter than i thought you were it's just these that's things that you never think about. yeah oh that's so interesting mm-hmm. All right, so we are about to close this up. Um, we have one question that we like to end with, and um, we, we'll give you a minute to to think about it. But if you could leave, just I have my my stack of uh, post-it notes that these weren't <laughs> in my workstation, I would be in trouble. Um, if if you could leave just one note. Uh, and put it in every teacher's classroom, one post-it note. It's all you get to write. You don't get much to write here. Um, but you had one post-it note that you could leave for every teacher in every classroom. What would your post-it note say? Uh, kids are people too. Hmm. I think so often we get caught up in, I'm the teacher, you're the student. They're people. Hmm. They have feelings, they have needs. Um, yeah, kids are people too. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I love that. I wrote it down on the post-it note for you. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, All right. Go ahead, Andrew. Thank, Marisa, thank you so much for coming on. It was, again, a pleasure. And, you know, this is what our podcast is all about. It is all about people who teach we are all connected and we are all in this together. And mm-hmm. um, as we kind of close out this podcast, if you're listening and you find value in the conversation we just had, our podcast, what we're all about, please um, follow, subscribe. Um, and we're, we're doing a lot of stuff on Clubhouse now too. And we're getting a lot of traction with that. So we're just excited to be here for you guys and, and excited to talk with teachers about real topics. So true. And Marisa, thank you, Andrew. And Marisa, where can people find you, get in touch with you? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, Mrs. Adam 716. Uh, Twitter's where I do most of my business. Mr. Stella wants me to get into TikTok, but I'm uh, hesitant. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there's like uh yeah, do what you do what you want, right? Like Yeah, it's, it's, do what you want. Do it's for some, it's it's not for everyone and um and everybody has a different way that they approach it too. So, um we will we will put that into the show notes as well uh at mm-hmm. Maurice uh, at Mrs. Adams 716. Uh we will do that. We so appreciate you being here on the podcast. I think if you've listened to this podcast or you watched the live stream as it went on, or you're watching the recorded version. I hope that you take away some of the important messages and themes that uh, Marisa shared with us today about valuing kids 
and really putting all of that training to good use when it comes to being flexible in our spaces now and uh, what you can do to have an impact as an educator. Uh, I learned a ton. I know, Andrew, you and I talk about this a lot, where it's like we selfishly formed this podcast to just really learn from our guests and really <laughs> steal ideas that work um, and be all in on people who teach. So um, today was a really, really strong episode, and we're grateful to have you. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. We had so much fun with that episode and we learned more than we could ever ask for. Thank you so much, Marisa. We appreciate your time. We hope all of you had the chance to learn something from Marisa. And we really want you to reach out to our guests and find them on social media. We'll put all of the links for our guests in the show notes. So please reach out to them, connect with them, follow people who teach. And we really wanna hear from you. If you're interested or know somebody that we should have on the show, we really want to hear from you. So please drop us a line, leave us a review, uh, wherever you're getting your podcasts, let us know how we're doing and we will keep bringing the episodes and creating the content. And as always, we so appreciate you being here and staying to the end. Thank you so much for all you do. Keep showing up for kids. Have a great day.